where lust for a whole life and nothing but less makes people jump out of a comfortable pond into an unknown ocean. Welcome to that journey between the East and the West. Who says Rolling Stones don't gather moss? Hello everyone, I am Meenu Gupta, your host for the day, and I'm delighted to have you join me every week as amazing people share their incredible and inspiring life stories of straddling continents. Thank you. Dear listeners, our guest for today, she defies definition is from what I gathered. She has her fingers in so many pies that it's also so it's not so easy to introduce her from neuroscience to communication to education, peace and more. I will try my best to introduce her. She calls herself a people developer and a global citizen. Born in Poland, she's uh, lived and worked in different countries from US, UK, New Zealand. I've lost count. Germany, Italy, Switzerland. Right now she's in, in Germany. We are both in Germany. She's co-founder of the Institute for Global Integral Competence and also a director of something very interesting, Department of Listening for Peace in the Global Listening Center in no other place than in India, the place where I was born and brought up. Without much ado, thank you very much, Anna, for joining us. And I was going to ask you a question, which I generally like to ask my guests. Your answer allows us all, including me, the curious me, to have a little insight into you. So, because you have a lot of labels, even more than average people. So, having said that, if I take away everything, you know, all the wonderful accomplishments that you've had and, and you still continue to do, if I remove all the other labels as we get as people for work and life and in relationships, who are you as a person? <laughs> you didn't warn me that you would start with such a huge question. <laughs> you know, most of people never ever ask themselves, who am I really? You know, who am I really besides my roles? You know, because being a mother of three beautiful B-cultural kids is a role as well. Even it's the one of the most beautiful roles, one of the most beautiful heads I'm, I'm having on my head. Being a founder of a nice intercultural company is also my role, right? Being a, a wife, being a woman even, as some kind of a gender attitude. So who am I? It's a, such a tough question still. <laughs> uh, may I answer with a nice metaphor? There was a beautiful wise man and people talk about him that he think about himself that he is a god. Right, so there was a journalist very curious, like you are, and want to come to visit him and ask him a question. You know, are you a god? And he confirmed. He said, "Yes, I am." After the silence, he added, "And you are too." The difference between us is I'm aware about it, and you are not. So I don't know if it does answer your questions, but you know, on the center level, I feel connected with everything and everywhere and all at once. At this last movie release for a couple of months, stay. So we are more than we can imagine if we only try to remember, reconnect, or maybe remember. It's a good one. So how did you end up? You were born in so that 
we understand a little bit of your journey. I know that you lived in different countries, you worked. How did you end up doing that? You were born in Poland. And then how did it all happen? Just briefly so that one understands this rolling stone who gathered some moss to share. Trudegod, you started with introducing myself that I have lived and I have this extensive experiment living in different countries around the world and working with international companies in many countries. So I think in my, first of all, in my immigration backgrounds are the roots of my passion, which is intercultural communication, the area of my specialization. And this area of my specialization in this intercultural communication, or even if we go deeper, this cosmopolitan communication, encourage both an awareness of the impacts of inequality we experience on everyday basis and the benefits of embarrassing this diversity. So this is answer of your question, how I start developing myself. And I must add on top to it, 15 years ago or a couple of years ago, many years ago, the integral approach uh, popped into my life and changed everything. I changed the way how I see the world, how I act, how I think. So this was another additional aspect of me pushing me off my way, finding out who am I. <laughs> and there was the third aspect which um, helped me to find my profession. At this time, I didn't know that it's something like Ikigai, you know, this beautiful Japanese concept translated into German or English. That's the way why we wake up every day. So the reason why we are here, why we do what we do. And they didn't know about this one, but friends of mine asked me questions. What do you love? So I said, okay, I, I love learning. I really love learning. I can, as I said, I can dig and dig and dig deeper and deeper. And okay, you, you have to see me at the library because if I go to the psychology, I take one of books of psychology, but next to the psychology is another topic, which I think is really interesting as well. So I um, I take this book, another one. And my husband, once he learned me, he told me that he never saw somebody carrying so many books with me home. And I was sometimes thinking there, there is not enough life for me this time to read all the books I got it. So that was what I love. I love learning and I love sharing my learning. So I say teaching, teaching and learning. That's a true passion of mine. So uh, then she asked me, okay, and uh, what you can do well? So I said, yes, I can. I can be with people. I have create container. I can create a beautiful learning space. And then she started digging deeper, asking me, okay, so what do you think the world needs? Yes, we all know what the world needs. We know that we know that we all have to learn and, and, and find out a new perspective of connecting with each other or creating a new world, a new way of learning, teaching, working together. So that was the answer of the questions why I find myself being a consultant trainer as and learner. <laughs> No, there are two things. So, yeah, so I guess around books, you are like child left in a toy store, so you can't have enough. Right. But that's something we, we share. I remember some years back uh, when I'd gone to India, previous batchmate of mine when I was doing management, we had not met since then, so like 25, 30 years or something. And he introduced me to his wife. And his line of introduction was, she used to carry piles of books higher than herself. And they used to be very fat ones. So sometimes I used to wonder, does she really read all of that or is it just for her mental satisfaction? <laughs> yeah, yeah. so I, I read them definitely. And for a long time, for a long time, I stopped reading science fiction, actually, which I love as a teenager, as a young girl. 
But then I come back a couple of years ago, I come back to science fiction and there's such a joy to dive into the stories from India, from Indonesia, from, you know, 19th century Sweden or from the early pioneers in the US or whatever. I, I, I love science fiction as well. So I see that joy on your face. But the question I had was actually a little bit different. What I wanted to understand was how do you end up actually either it was destiny or motivation? How did you end up working and living in these different countries so you lived in them you know we always do something on purpose it could be conscious or unconscious so i started with um very early actually in communistic poland for 1989 with pen friends I started writing letters to people all around the world. It was like opening the doors in the closet uh, behind the, uh, you know, how do you call this? Iron, iron curtain, opening the doors and trying to reach out to people out there. And I was fascinated already by that. It was something like, okay, there is the world out there and it's a beautiful world out there. So I want to visit it. And that's how it happened the first time I came to Italy. It was 1988. Then it's happened that I fall in love with the German guy. So I landed up in Germany. So And then there was a dream of New Zealand. And I said, okay, let's let's go to New Zealand. So let's see, um, and there was possibility of study in US. So I went to US. So with the possibility of scholarship to be in UK. So I went to UK. So it's always, you know, when you are open and curious and curious, I mean, when you are open, curious, willing to explore, the opportunities open, the doors to of opportunities open for you, and you have to walk the path. Yeah, something that is inherent in you, so you need to walk that path which is yours. So something drives you to do that. Very interesting, because there are different kinds of people. There's a different drive for everybody. So some people just crave stability, you know, one place and so on. I need to be there. And, and it's otherwise they feel as if they've been taken out of their own waters in another place, maybe for a short while. But living is something else than traveling. A lot of people just travel and then come back to their roots always. Some. You, of course, are of another category where you actually enjoy living and absorbing, expanding is what I see and I hear when you speak. And you literally take joy in doing that, exploring yourself or, right? Am I right? Yes, yes, absolutely. I wouldn't do it otherwise. And I always uh, went outside forever and that happens that I come back. So it's a funny story and I'm opening for going out and coming back. So it's openness, I think, is one of the most important uh, attitudes or skills we, we have. I think it's attitudes, openness to whatever comes and acceptance, whatever is coming to you and without judgment. Yes, that's what uh, in one of our philosophies in India, that's also one of the root messages. So coming to the messages of India, uh, did you, you, you traveled there quite often, am I right? Mm -hmm. Yes, uh, not quite often. I I was once there. Only once. Oh, I I'm working. I working virtually with virtually with uh, people from India very much. But I was only once there for one year. For one year, you stayed there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, that's interesting. And what took you to India? 
again, opportunity, a possibility to live there. And I, I just follow my husband and he gets a job and then I find myself there and the people around me. So you see, everywhere you are carrying your personality with you and you will find people who are echoing or resonating with you, despite of the cultural background, despite of the language and despite of the age and gender. This is, doesn't matter actually for me if people think about this ethnocentric way of thinking. It is India, it is Poland, it is Germany, it is we as ethnocentric group. And I don't see it anymore like this. I see only human beings with the rights of beautiful life and uh, with this all beautiful diversity. And when was that in India, your visit? 2000. 2000. That's 22 years ago. Mm. So much has happened. Absolutely. India has changed. Yes. Each time I go back, it's something more. It's a new country, right? It's so much happens. And I was talking to another guest. It's like constantly something is happening. It's dynamic. Things keep changing. Rules, people, places, buildings. So, yeah, a lot has changed. The, in addition to the Churchill said, that, see, India is like equator. It means the country who are li- uh, lying on the equator, they have nothing in common besides that they are lying on the same geographical position. Yes. So that was his state about India, how diverse it is. India, you know, connected only with the, between the borders of India as a state. So I, I keep it in mind. <laughs> which is true. But before you went to India, which was 2000, you must have had some image of India in your mind. People generally, subconscious or conscious, when I use the word India, what was the image? Yeah, but it's always the same, you know. It is, um, if we know something, yeah, that's okay. We have this knowledge or proof knowledge from the first hand or from your research. If we don't know something, we are scary and we use some of the stereotypes somebody provides us. So you decide, you take it or leave it. Mm-hmm. There are stereotypes about the French people. There are stereotypes about the Polish people. There are stereotypes about the India people. So because I was already an uh, immigrant in Germany with the etiquette, Polish. Oh, you are from Poland. My cleaning lady is from Poland too. How funny. How <laughs> funny. My cleaning uh, lady was from Germany. Great. So you see, I cannot answer this question because I don't want to have images. I don't want to have stereotypes. I, I want to have find a true and I find more. So there was nothing like something fixed about India. There was more information. And the more you read, we mentioned that I like reading, the more you find a colorful, diverse, contradictories. Yes, regarding this country and especially regarding India, I love it very much. Whatever I say about India, the opposite is also true. Yes, this is what I find about India. So I cannot say uh, I have an image in my head because I have I have read a lot in advance and I recognize well there there are so many contradictions and so many opposites to those what I read. So I keep my mind open and I can recommend it only to everybody. Keep your mind open instead of serving yourself with stereotypes and generalization. Wonderful. You've actually said things very, very accurately because India is a country of contradictions. And exactly like you said, for everything that one says, the opposite is also true and is also there for you to experience and see. So, no, you've put it actually very well in that. So you kept your mind open and didn't stick to it. It's very interesting because you get a different attitude on the table. Because on one hand, there's somebody else, let me say X, 
Mr. or Miss X might read up that much information and end up with still an image. And because what I find is most images of countries and people are fed a lot by, by of course, books, but a lot also by media. Media loves to use aspects which are extraordinary. It, it could be extraordinarily beautiful or extraordinarily brutal, either of the two, because that is what catches eyeballs. That's what a lot of them might want, eyeballs. So it's interesting and very few are able to hear all the information, see all the information, and yet disassociate from making a judgmental line in their heads because oft it happens very subconsciously. So you have kept yourself very interestingly, how would I say, as an observer. Mm, a witness. Yeah, which generally we would also also said a lot in India. It's a deep, one of the deepest messages of the book, the Bhagavad Gita, I'm sure you... Bhagavad Gita. Mm. Yes. I'm sure you, you have you read it. I'm sure you've read it. Yes, yes. I, or maybe not the whole and maybe I, I probably understood only the top of the iceberg. But definitely, I, I read a lot, a lot. And I'm very thankful that we have this richness on the other side, you know, richness of, of the first books and of this philosophy and, and all country. I mean, when I dive into the Chinese culture, when I dive into Indogenistra culture of Maori in New Zealand, there's so much we have no idea about in our Western country, you know, this weird country, Western, industrialized, democratic, rich, white, whatever. It is a beautiful um, short expression from where we are. So idea is to, you know, to acknowledge there is a knowledge and wisdom on the other side and, you know, embarrass it. So not only looking from one point of view, from one perspective. It's always like, you know, I sometimes use this metaphor. You are sitting in a dark room and you have a light and you put the light in one edge, the corner, and you think, oh, that's the old knowledge I know. That's my approach. That's our, I don't know, Western cognitive approach to understand the world. And then you, you, you take a lighter and point it in another direction. And you say, oh, there's another story there. So it's only true. My lighter, no, my lighter. I think the point is to find the switch and bring the light to the whole room. Do you understand what I mean? So all approaches are right. All approaches have they uh, have possibility to be existent and, and acknowledged. It depends on us what we take. So, have you found the switch? I'm still looking for it. I, I'm not that. I would say I would be very arrogant if I say I find the switch. No, I'm looking for it, and I think that being on the way, on the search, is the most beautiful thing that happened to you because it's not a goal to get there. I think it's the going there and finding out. Yes, it's it's a going which is more important. So yeah, and very something very infinitely beautiful because I also also believe in that. It is not it's a journey, not just a signpost in between which count. It's a whole journey which we are on and and the enjoying of it, whichever way it's unfurling. Sometimes not so great, stormy weather, and sometimes absolutely beautiful. You know, all this Higgs and Hubs belongs to life. I mean, it's not a boring life, let's say. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. How did you... I've found that very interesting, the Global Listening Center that you are part of, because we are living in in a world, in an era where... Most people are being taught how to express themselves, communicate, how to lead. Uh, it's, it's another topic altogether. And um, 
how to talk. So we live in, in a world where there's a lot of information flow. People are bursting to express themselves, talk, be heard on social media, to each other, everywhere. So it's, it's literally a cacophony is sometimes is what I see there. Mm. <laughs> in that cacophony, which of course, as a person, when I use the word communication, there are different aspects to it. There's a talking as well as a listening amongst many other aspects. However, the world is mostly focused in the present times on the talking aspect. So how did you end up being on the listening aspect? How did that, how did you end up being there in that place? I know you said that things just come and people just meet when you are there. Just tell us a little about the, the listening part and how you found yourself in the global center. For, and, and I believe it's listening for peace, uh, something I... Uh, totally relate to but i want to hear your version of it mm-hmm. exactly the piece was the connection then uh, global listening center is a non-profit organization they found me i guess on linkedin but i'm not sure and they get in touch with me so they reach out to different scholars around the world who are um, examining different fields of, of expertise of not necessarily listening but my case was i mean at the institute for global integral competence i was the dean of the department for peace so what we need to do now to live in the world in peace and we our approach was education our approach was consciousness development our approach was cosmopolitan communication so we are, were asking ourselves how we can communicate with each other now that we will be in a better place in the future and we and my part was communicating for peace and their part was listening for peace so we come together and put our head together and find it out uh, maybe we can collaborate with each other how to educate people to be able to listen mm-hmm. so not to teach not to learn to listen to listen to yourself to listen to your body to listen to your higher selves to listen to others to listen to the nature so you see there's a different levels of of listening where you can contribute to the peace in the world to peace in yourself when you start listening to yourself and you find out all these voices having a chit chat in your head and you try to call them through the meditation then you will find a peace in yourself yeah, that's that's a one of the mindfulness meditation. It's one of the way in this direction. And when you are a person who which who is in peace, and you approach others, you just you know bring in this on them. You don't have to you know have a discussion and trying to be in right because we love to be in right. Yeah? We love to be um, intelligent and have a knowledge and bring this knowledge to others. You know, some people while we are communicating, they do not listen. They are preparing the answers. Right, to answer, to contribute, to add. So do you have these feelings like, oh, no, I, oh, I, I have my pain here in the back. Oh, yeah, I know. I have pain as well. Yeah? So it's like always taking everything to yourself and, and listening something like not taking to yourself, not bringing your answers, just listening and be present. We talk about witnessing. So being present, being a witness and allowed things happen in between us and in between us as well. Yes, yeah, I totally relate and understand that. I relate to that quite well. Then, in your uh, experiences, you've since you've lived in different countries, and and when we divide the world physically with borders, uh, we come to different countries. When we divide the world in color, and um, we have people, and we have cultures, and since you've traipsed through different 
places and countries or lands, so to say. How was your experience of the attitude to listening? Now, we're talking of something which is split across many parts because you're talking of your journey in time, right? Because you lived in different periods of time in different countries. And we're also talking between the East and the West of your experience of when you were talking about, you're talking of the word listening. Have you seen differences between then and now in terms of time and in different parts of the globe? That's a good question. As I told you, there's nothing something like people in certain region listen more or listen less. Mm-hmm. There's something like certain people, despite of being somewhere, they are able to listen more or listen less. So it's your personal journey in consciousness development and discovery of this attitude or the skill of being able to listening more than your culture or regional or national background. I cannot say people in East and in China, in, in India or in Japan or in, in Vietnam or whatever we call East. It's another division. Right? I cannot say this. No. The people with certain attitudes who decide consciously to switch the perspective and switch the direction of looking at life, they are able to listen more. People with open heart, they are listen they are able to listen more because they are listening also with the heart, not only with the mind. So that is what I was trying to say, because you asked me then and now and east and west. So but then and now if I look at our now at times, we have so many conversations about the technology, about the social media and this influence of our life. I would say we are losing this competence of listening because of the pace of the life, because of the amount of information we are bombarded and getting every day. So we are hardly survive with all of this. Then I think our, our capacity to listen, not growing, it's uh, reducing. That's my feeling. I mean, people I know who decide consciously do not be a part in this space or in this, in this life, so they are, are not necessarily living in the mountains in India. They are living in this world, but also living in the world in which we then, and they are taking their time for, for silence. You know, silence, such a beauty. Now I can really have a bath in silence. Silence speaks its own language. And uh, I totally agree with you on many aspects of the same question, where you say that um, it's a personality and the attitude of a person. That person could be in the Far East or could be in India, China or anywhere. And we are not bound by our national cultures as was defined some years ago. When one um, sees an American, uh, one would expect a person to be in on a certain way and so on. So even in this aspect, it's the individual attitude, which and the personality, which I, I my personal definition is comes from many things. It comes from the national culture, family, upbringing, work, and most of all, beyond genes, most of all, the person, the person's own thought processes, which are shaped again by all these influences. My question also, then I have another question following this. Uh, you're right, and I'm glad the observation that you made that over the years so it's not not just about the countries the difference about the attitude to listening it's about the times from then and now i share the same observation with you that globally we find that decreasing 
the ability and the focus on listening is decreasing amid the chaos. And I think it's also leading to more chaos because there's less listening. So uh, I there I'm with you. When we say the East and the West, beyond the fact that we are talking of human beings <laughs> as well, uh, right now I'm talking of human beings, what is that something which unites us? And, and what is that something which is dividing us? I am reading, for example, a very interesting book by David Livermore. Um, di- the, I think it's diverse, uh, divided, and digital, something like that. Very interesting, very absorbing book. And then uh, that question then came to me, which I'm now putting to you, which I'll ask David as well, <laughs> I'm sure. We are, of course, diverse in different countries. And um, there's a lot which is dividing us. So what is uniting us and what is dividing us? First, a quotation from Krishnamurti. The man divides the world in yours and mine. Why? I love Krishnamurti. So the man divides the world in yours and mine. Why? Okay. And then when you look at these questions, why, you will probably find the answer. Why we would like to see the world like it is. There are so many developmental ex- uh, explanations for this. Like uh, we have this consciousness development, cognitive development. We have this integral spiral dynamics uh, as, as a tool. Which We had this beautiful quotation from Ken Wilber, which uh, states that there are cultures speaking of language of I or me. There are some cultures speaking of language of we. And there are cultures speaking of language of all of us. So you see, coming from I, me, and only me, it's mine, okay, me first, to the level of ethnocentric, America first, or we are, I don't know, fan clubs of the soccers, and we are so proud of our, whatever they are, ours, and how we define ours, a group, a nation, nation, or culture, coming to the place where we seeing ourselves as humans, inhabitants of this beautiful planet Earth. Our life depends on on it, that we take care about the nature, that we take care about the Earth, not about me, my home, my family, my country, that we take care of this cosmos we live in. This is something that we have to find out. And another quotation, the third one from Hari, we are facing global problems without having global solution. So this is something which we, you know, just let it let it stay with you and think about it. So not like what is what we have together. We are all human of this planet and we can survive only when this planet survives. It's such a simple thing. And it would be great if we recognize it and we connect it with each other and find solution which are facing right now globally. Harari was the name who said this in his Homo sapiens book. Yes, that brings me to another quotation, actually. I have it in front of me. Our ability to reach unity in diversity will be the beauty and the test of our civilization. And that was a quote by the man who used to, who loved walking barefoot and and freed India, Mahatma Gandhi. Babu. Yes, so uh, it's a beautiful uh, quotation which I chanced upon today as often chances happen while just <laughs> and we are talking of something very related because um, India, since I come, at least I would have more decent knowledge, one would say, one would like to think. 
placed. So um, unity in diversity, one of the major aspects, it was in the institution supposed to be a secular democratic country. Did you feel that when you went there? in the short time that you were there. So I'll take it just as an observation. Did you feel that or did you see that? Unity in diversity. Because India is a country with so many languages, cultures. And... Yes, yes, I know. It's, uh, you know, if you're, from the, uh, if you're from one region, you don't speak necessarily or understand the language from others. So it's why you you, you find out Hindu, Hindi is language, which connected all of you. And it was in the 50s when you know, the television started in Bollywood with this contribution to popularize the language. So I don't know if it's language is something unified you as of the religion. I mean, spirituality. It's definitely something, I mean, spirituality without any religions, you know, because there's different kind of spiritualities, but the connection with something which is above you is what I recognize is very strong in India. So you have to, you can belong to whatever, Chinese or Muslims or, or Hindu. There is something like a spirituality and connection with, with something which is higher and above us, and you can name it. And this, if you if you take it as something which uh, unified you, it is your unity in diversity. Maybe it will be this one, spirituality. I found people in India very spiritual. On one or another occasion, on one or another way. So now not, not necessarily all of them are taking a bath in, in the Ganges in, in, the, in the morning and, and cleaning them, themselves with the water or having altar at home or at least a picture on the screen. But this is something which I find that it was not really religious religion. It was something else. I don't know, but you know, I put on my on my website on, on the Intercultura that but diversity is a fact. So you are diverse, we are diverse, we have diversity in every country actually, right? And then we have equity. It's a choice. So we decide that we treat each other equally. It's a choice. That I treat every man, every woman as equal. I decide it on every day, on every action. And then you have inclusion that will be an action. If I notice that someone is excluded. It will be an action. Include them into my life, my society, my country, my whatever you name it. And then you have belonging as an outcome. But sometimes we are really confused with this belonging, inclusion, bad words, bad words, you know, very popular in the modern companies. But if you see it in this way, it will be better to understand that your action is required and your attitudes are required. Yeah, I actually also uh, take it to another level of, we have, of course, um, you're right, diversity and inclusion and equality are the hot words for today in the world, everywhere, particularly at the working place. And everybody is now suddenly jumping to somehow get into the bandwagon. I re There's something else. Diversity goes way deeper if you take just a family. Everybody, I mean, no two children, even if they are twins, would might be the same. Right? We are all the man and the woman and the husband and the wife. We are all different people. We might have share some thoughts, maybe some dreams or something or a passion or even with the children. And we'll all still come together on the, hopefully on the dining table, <laughs> hopefully to have a meal uh, without squabbles. And, and that would that's already inclusion if it happens uh, just in deep, sad silence. <laughs> or so it's pretty much, uh, I think diversity can be very well seen in a family without when someone takes that equation worldwide, it would be very interesting, actually. And um, in a family also, often it happens, everybody might not feel that they belong. Exactly, exactly. And, you know, on top of this, I was just thinking about the metaphor 
Can you imagine that all books are the same? Would you ever like reading? Yeah, yeah of course. Each book is different. Each book is excited. Each, you know, some some there are some boring books as well, but you know they are all different. Yeah. For God's sake, thank you so much for this diversity. And on the other side, we are absolutely all the same. We all would like to be loved, respect, belong, acknowledge, listen to. All we have all the same desires, basic desires to feel safe. Anna, with a deeply introspective nature and an unfettered soul, after having lived in many countries, defines the needs of human beings across the world as being the same. And I agree wholeheartedly with her. We all like to love, be loved, respected, acknowledged and accepted. So this is, you know, you have these two spectrums, extreme spectrums. Yes. Our basic needs are all the same, whether we are in the East or the West. Am I right? Absolutely. We are all human on the bodies on both sides and everywhere. So, you know, and, and the, you are an intercultural trainer as well. So you notice a beautiful triangle of pyramid when you say humanity and being a human is on the top. This is what's uniting us. The culture and the personality is above. So we have all those the same needs, the same facing the same problems, but our culture upbringing or education or socialization, call it as you like, giving us answers how to reach out to this, how to get it. So I, I'd like to be a respect. I'd love to be a loved. But my culture, my expectation, giving me a solution how to get there. What should I do to be loved? What should you do that I accept it as respectful? <laughs> it's so funny. But it's on top of this human being and my personal preferences coming from my personal experiences on top. And we all have this expectation. And Dalai Lama said, no, if you do not take anything personally and you don't have any expectation, so what, what, what problems do you face? There's no problems at all. And believe me, if I reduce conflicts and problems I'm facing to the stalls question, did I take it personally? Mostly. Or did I have some expectation? Oh, yes. Here we are. So, two things, putting the ego there and taking something personally and having expectations would be generally the root cause of conflicts. I would say yes, yes. Not different cultures, not different places. There I agree. It boils down, if you strip everything out, it boils down to that. Simple. Yeah. The simplicity, right. Yeah, I put it right. Our ego and our upbringing, culture and you know, imagination, what is right, what is wrong. I always used to say to my students, you know, that the culture is something what is driving us, saying right, wrong, correct, not correct. <laughs> you know, something uh, I would like to have, something I, it's, I, I don't want, it. something I expect, something that I unexpect. So if you see culture like this, you see this like, you know, way only. And they are different ways because we are diverse, right? Yeah, And it could be a different reason behind your behavior, which I'm not aware about it. You know, I only see what I see and I interpret it through my experience. Yeah. But uh, your intention could be totally different. You do not look at my eyes out of respect. So you do not gaze at me out of your respect. And I'm saying, oh, you hide something because you don't look into my eyes. Here we are. As simple as it is. So preconceived expectations. Mm -hmm. 
So one need, I totally agree with that line of the Dalai Lama, what you just now said. Can you say that again, please? If you do not take anything personally and you don't have any expectation, so what kind of problems do you have still? Yeah, the world would be a unified place. And there's, so what is that what is uniting us in the world, what unites us? As human beings. Besides being a human being, besides being responsible for the planet, for this, I, I would say the most powerful is the love. You know, I, some, one, one day I answered this, and I some questions. Why, why I'm doing this, what I'm doing? And I said, because of love. And, and he answered me, oh, come on, you are not at the beauty competition to giving such a simple answer. <laughs> And I said, but this answer is simple and beauty at the same time, you see, love and do whatever you want. And, and what is it that is, uh, if the word that is united, if what unites us is that simple between the East and the West, what is it that divides us? Everything else. <laughs> Lovely. I love that answer. There was so much in the simplicity of that answer lay the deep meaning. So, which I'm sure to people listening to me and everybody else would be quite evident. Before we leave, what, was, what is that thought which you would like to leave the audience, whoever is listening today? What is a thought you would like to leave them with? Something inspiring coming straight from your heart. I will say, I will finish there where we start. Who are you, dear listener? Who are you really and why? You are here. What is your yours? Why you are here? Take it with you and find out. Wonderful. So you've turned the tables very nicely, Anna. So yes, and who am I? Is when one is on that search, there would be very little left to divide the world as well. Actually, when when the search is so deep that instead of talking about what's happening to the other, who am I? The, with that search, there's another journey which starts. Thank you for such a rich discussion between the East and the West. And I hope that you and I will continue talking. And um, it was such a joy, Anna, honestly. So <laughs> That's so funny. You always this point of East and West. You know, um, our planet is the ball. You have always East if you keep running around our planet. You know, I always consider myself coming from the East because I was born in Poland and I live in the Western country, but you are coming from more East. So you see, <laughs> <laughs> and you can consider Americans as a, as a East coming from East because from the India uh, point of view, it is on the East side, right? Yes. Yes. I love that. No East and West, no division. It's a love that just hadn't thought. Yes, uh, we are spinning on a wall and at some point there is East constantly and there's some point there's west which also when you see from another angle as as thoughts and as people it's also different yeah <laughs> if you'd like to see this this way right yes there, there will be an east and west in my house as well as as much as yours thank you so much thank you thank you so much and that dear listeners is the wise anna the east or the west is the standpoint from which you choose to view the world. The whole reduced to a point is what Anna has just done in our brief chat today. Her parting message to all the listeners is search, find out who you are, why you are here and what is truly yours. Do you agree 
or disagree, write in and tell us. We may actually choose you for an exclusive 5-minute cameo. Thank you for listening to the series Between the East and the West. Do subscribe to the channels mentioned on the side. In case, of course, you liked what you heard, I am Meenu Gupta, the host of the series, and I'll be looking forward to your comments. We love feedback. Thank you once again. Namaste and bye-bye.